You had to go to the enemy to get that book, eh? <laughs> yes. From the enemy. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. old scuba gear that was in the in the basement or garage and dude are you kidding me oh that's why oh oh okay 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 all right well cool you wish we get rolling yeah let's do this let's do it welcome back everybody to another week of the great dive podcast you're here with james james e Old Jamesy and Brando. And we're here for week three of National Cave Diving Month. My favorite month of the year. Okay, so um, in carrying on our discussion about cave diving, I came across a an article from an internet online magazine called Dive In. And there's a nice little article entitled, A Beginner's Guide to Cave Diving. And because I think the majority of our listening base is probably a you know, uh, the recreational diver getting out there diving and maybe exploring. Are, are, yeah, 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 up, yeah, right? yeah. Looking at uh, going a little bit further with, with things, but may or may not even understand, you know, the path to take to even go cave diving. Because a lot of, a lot of people in a lot of uh, the shops around the world, they're, you know, they're, they look at cave diving as the crazy, this is what the crazy guys do. Well, that not only that, if you go into cave diving, you're going to go outside the realm of like the major recreational agency slash agencies, but agency in particular. You're you're going to be steered away from it to a certain extent, whether it's it's a conscious, overt steering away or it's an underlying, you know, oh, you don't want to go there. Oh, those... Why don't you take a navigation course, or why don't you take a fish identification or underwater ironing board class? Um, you're not. It'll do the same thing for you. You'll get the same charge out of it. And when I mean, you know, you'll get the same. Yeah, I'm diving feeling from ironing. Right? <laughs> Can you believe this? And I identified the. There's no wrinkles. The blue hog nose grouper. Uh, I can identify that from like 500 feet away. If I could see it underwater, I can identify. Look, there's one now. Yeah, exactly. So I guess what I'm getting at is there's a motivation to say, hey, you don't want to do that. Because once you go into that realm, the average shop, trying, they're trying to make a living. I get it. But they don't cater in the sense of they don't have your training that you want. And they don't have the equipment that you need, which, A, you could have started out with, right, and built upon. Right. Well, that's a, a really good point because the overwhelming majority of divers in this world are getting certified for generally because they're taking a trip right hey, i'm going to be in the cayman islands i'm going to be in you know bali i'm going to be i'm going over to australia i'm going to hawaii might as well take a scuba diving class so i can go do a dive while i was there always wanted to dive right 
It's bucket they, lister. Yeah, kind of yeah. Thing, so right? they, they get it done, and then of of those divers, there's a, a a portion of them that go again the next year, or maybe do two trips this year, and then there's a a portion of those that do that regularly year after year, and there's a portion of those that really get into it and and start diving locally as well because they want to be in the water more often. And then of those, there's a small portion that actually go to the point of of all that extra time and education that they're going to get into something like cave diving. But on the other hand, there's plenty of people out there that start with that in mind of, I want to go cave diving, so I'm yeah. going to get certified. And it's it's that's their mission right off from day one. And it's not seen as this crazy big thing at the end if you stick around long enough that you'll get to. Right. There's plenty of people that, that that is the beginning motivator for for getting certified. And someone in, in that that realm is going to get in the water to begin with, already focus on these things and tools and equipment and understanding that, that you're going to need in a cave isn't going to have that same roadblock along the way of like, oh, okay, stop. Get out of your jacket, BCD. Yeah, get out of all, you got to get out of all this gear and get into new. Right. Oh, that was $1,500. Well, keep it, um, you know, put it in that closet because in 15 years or 12 years, you're going to walk into the dive shop and give it to them because they won't buy it off you. And you, it's just taking up space in your garage. Right, and a lot of people, you know, they, they've got their uh, cave diving rig and they've got their reef right. diving rig and they right. got their cold water rig and they're all different right well let me ask you this uh, i i yeah i know where you're going so you with each different rig and rigging and equipment configuration that you're using it's a different methodology or protocol in an emergency and even in non-emergency situation it operates completely different unless you start from the beginning with a system that you build upon so a system that works in open water that you switch over to cavern or cave or tech, and it works the exact same way. You just added a, you know, one an extra gas tank or something to that effect, yeah, right? Yeah. So how you handle gas? Yeah. How you right? get into the gear, where everything's stowed, right? You know, uh, how you donate gas in an emergency, where you clip off is is the same on the the single tank rig for hitting the hitting the reef as it is on a double tank dive for diving a shipwreck as it is for doing a cave dive if those are the, the protocols and the methodology that you're talking about where, hey, when you need to do something, it's that same routine pattern every single time, regardless of the environment that you're in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that goes to the you know rules or you know the philosophy of education, which is you don't want to learn one way and then say, okay, you remember how we taught you to do gas sharing in open water? We'll scratch that now. Because it's a little different in a cave because there are restrictions and you have to go single file in some places. And you can't do that sharing with an Octo or an Air McDoodle in your mouth. It's too close. You need to go single file. So you need a long hose. And then you, you do that and you're like, wow, gas sharing's easy with a long hose. Why am I not doing this with my regular equipment on an open water? Right. It's yeah. when, when you've got the, the freedom and the ability to move and see and communicate with, with your buddy while you're sharing <laughs> yeah. air. You don't have your, you're, you're not you're cheek not to cheek, head twisted, yeah. you know, can yeah. barely keep the thing in your mouth because every time you try to look your buddy in the eye, it's, you know, popping a regulator out of right. somebody's mouth. 
you your know, face is right alone. in their chest or, yeah, yeah, or other places. Yeah, let alone trying to make a, a good, clean ascent where you, when you get out of the water, it's like, okay, now, that was that was bad, <laughs> but at least we, we did everything we needed to do rather than just pop into the surface by right. accident because you can't breathe and communicate and control your buoyancy well, at the same time where you're breathing off of a two people breathing off of a 30-inch hose. Right. I think you hit a, a big like rule that we dive with and we teach our divers which is you control your buoyancy at all times. You are always in control of your buoyancy, and which is a, a huge cornerstone, which translates into this air sharing with the recreational rig where you've got a, you know, maybe a 36-inch hose where you've got to grab each other's BCDs and hold on to each other for life you, because you can't separate. You can't get your face far enough apart to even look at yeah, each other's the, eyes the, hardly. The goal, the goal in that configuration is... Shove a regulator into the mouth and go. breathe. Next stop, surface. <laughs> yes, yes. See, we lived, maybe, <laughs> but you're damaged, or we just barely lived. Versus being in control of your own buoyancy, looking at each other with a few feet in between you. That kind of thing, a lot easier to do an air share, a lot safer to do an air share. And the whole buoyancy control thing, you are still in control of your own buoyancy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and let alone... It's huge to me. I don't yeah, I mean, let alone making a, um, you know, making a free ascent. I mean, that it's a, a no-brainer, it's super mm -hmm. easy. But, but I mean, if you're out in, you know, uh, the Great Lakes on a, on a popular shipwreck that's right in the, the middle of the shipping channel of the Great Lakes with five, seven, eight hundred thousand foot freighters going overhead... You know, just just in the middle of nowhere, not a good idea. It would behoove you to swim back to that mooring line, you know, <laughs> exactly. which which might be a you know two three hundred foot swim to get there, and to try to do that on that thirty inch hose, holding on to each other's mm -hmm. BCDs, kicking each other, smashing into smashing knees, destroying the Elkhorn <laughs> coral as you go back. Well, there's no Elkhorn. In well, lakes, I know but, you're talking but, Great Lakes, but. In, but Freighters in, are in the ocean. Yes. I hate go. to break that to you. Did people keep them? <laughs> I was just keeping it consistent. No, I'm just waiting for somebody to go, there's no elk on the Great Lakes. Well, I, in my Great Lakes, there are. Yeah. In my mind. You haven't been to the greatest lake then. <laughs> if you have not seen the Elkhorn Coral. But yeah, so once you start taking the tools that we've been using in this high technical environment, and you start bringing them back into just that basic, basic recreational water. world, you realize, well, this works great here, too. Well, here's the thing, too, James. Uh, I remember being an open water diver, and I remember going into a cave class. And I wasn't, I'd already been an open water diver for a while and was a dive master and went to a commercial academy, which is, they do a, an incredible scuba portion a couple of weeks with, of course, no BCDs and stuff, but you learn how to dive going into my first cave class. Just blown away by the, uh, the precision in the buoyancy control you needed and the propulsion techniques and the... The equipment configuration in my first cave class wasn't like standardized like we teach now. So I have a, a view of going into a class like that that's just, you know, I go, that's not the best way, in my humble opinion. Like going, yeah, just wear whatever works for you doesn't work that great uh, because I don't know what works for me. I'm in a class. Teach me. That's where it is today, right, is... They're just coming around to it. They're just coming yeah. around to it. So, I mean, there there is a... There's a new change in, in education where there is a well-thought-out philosophy. Right. That, so instead of saying, hey, you need to have something to share air with in emergency, there's a long, detailed discussion about what is your goal? Mm -hmm. 
when everything goes bad and you guys got to get home. Right. right. So how do we think this back to making it as clean as possible, as efficient as possible, so it's going to work every single time and simple. in every single situation and simple and relatable to any environment? Right? There's, there's a logical thought to you need to have all this gear underwater with you. Right. The other side of that, James, he was if one is okay in an over in, overhead environment, you want redundancy. So two is, is really good. But three and four are fantastic. You're invincible, which is not true. Not true at all. But that was the old, the older way of thinking. So, And when they would push, whatever works for you is good. You make it work for you versus get a standardized configuration that works for the people you're going to dive with because they're going to be in the same configuration. So you know how that operates. And it's minimalist. It's not... Just everything, you know, bring redundancy. There's a thought out system to the redundancy. Well, a lot of people do look at the cave diver or the technical diver, and that's what they see is they just see, oh, you just got two or three or four of everything. You got to take so much gear and so all this uh, crazy stuff. I just want to get in the water and, and go see some fish and have some fun and right. do it on my on my trip. And a a complete system isn't just a whole bunch of extra gear, mm. right? Because it does, it should scale back to a single tank cruising a reef, but it's right. still the same configuration. Right. I agree 100%. And that's what, you know, that's what sold me when I had already had, you know, cave training from other agencies and instructors that, that use the philosophy or the teaching methodology of whatever works for you, works for you. You adapt it to, to fit you. Which coming out of the military, a uni- there's a benefit to uniformity in emergency situations, in critical jobs that really lends itself to uh, performing better. In other words, the responses become second nature, overlearned, and in an emergency situation or when things are getting hairy, they become ru- yeah they become routine. It's instinct. Yeah, or so instinctual you don't have to almost. think about what to do. And that's a biggie, right? It there. just happens. It comes out of you. Yeah, and uh, and and that's um, and that's not anymore. That's not just a cave diving thing, right? That that comes well, right. back to like how uh, you and I do things. It's I mean that's yeah, and a that's reef, diving thirty the, foot that's reef, diving the keys, yes. right? And yeah. uh, in the shallow water, it doesn't uh, doesn't matter. But there's a beauty to it, and an ease of mind, and there's a an enjoyment level that soars through the roof when you're not having to. Oh, okay, I'm normally cave diving, or I'm normally doing trimix on a 200-foot dive, and now I'm doing 40, 50 feet of reef. With the other methodology, which is you dive one way for deep and cave, you dive another way for... for yeah, yeah. Now, I'm, now I'm on the reef. I got I to gotta go back to split fin and uh, air doodle <laughs> mode. <laughs> I got to get out of my... Yikes. Yeah. So, yeah, th- that was the biggest thing that like opened my eyes was a, the benefits of uniformity and the benefits of that solid foundation that you get from cave diving. Yeah, and I guess uh, for, for the new diver that, that isn't, hasn't been exposed to this yet, that is going to be enlightening for them when Hopefully. they when they yeah. realize because they're going to realize oh this works everywhere right right whereas they've been sold all along is no there's this crazy gear <laughs> when you get to the crazy diving up until then you know all this stuff is fine these crazy gadget and you're still paying twenty five hundred dollars for it which kills me yeah plastic buckles plastic uh, eclipse and whatnot yeah. 
Yeah. Those you wear that points. until you yeah. get up to, and then both when you and do then finally, switch. Yeah, and then switch. <laughs> but then when you realize when you when you've gone that far, you go, oh, Why didn't well, I but, start out? This why didn't I just start off with this? <laughs> it works. It works great everywhere. Yeah. Okay, so so in this article, um, a beginner's guide to cave diving doesn't really have an, a, a date on it. I'm, I'm taking this as probably a couple of years old. It, uh, it goes through things that you should consider before taking up a cave diving class. The article starts off by saying that cave diving is an entirely new world after coming from recreational diving. Different equipment and techniques are required, and often the whole way you have been diving has to be adapted, which is right exactly what we've been talking about is when you're in this bubblegum world of happy fluffy fuzzy yes everything's good everything nothing will happen it is a different world right and then you go to an area where you know you would quote unquote need to get in some real gear some serious gear for this demanding world because failures failures in an overhead environment don't give you a warm fuzzy feeling You, you know especially if you haven't really over you know overtrained for them right right yeah yeah so the failure in the overhead environment is you got to deal with it. You you can't just say, "Oh, yikes! Let's just go to the surface. I don't right. want to play anymore." So you you, you got to finish the dive and get home. So you have to you have to have equipment that's going to allow you to stay at depth, focus, think, and get home. And ideally, you have robust and that's a, a big key word: robust equipment that doesn't fail often. You know, yeah, the focus the focus isn't how light and cheap can I make it so that I don't have to pay the extra fifty dollars for the flight. Right. It's what what kind of longevity, how much can this stuff take to a certain extent? You know, that's one of the reasons like I I choose my gear. I don't like plastic stuff. Tanks fall over onto your BCD with the plastic buckles and the plastic buckles break. Those plastic eclips break. That's what they do. That's why I like metal. Right. When you're out on a when you're out on a reef, you know, in in 40 feet of water, yeah, you can duct tape the thing back together and you'll probably be fine. Not a big deal. When When your plastic buckle breaks, that's holding, you know, your BCD tanks on your back. And if you lose that BCD and tanks, you're in a little bit of a... Right, and you're in a high-flow cave hundreds of feet back. Yikes. Yikes. That, that That could turn into a huge mess. Which is which is why you, you can't risk having it happen. Which is why you use a properly rigged harness. But then once you've been diving that properly rigged harness, you go, well, why wouldn't I just use this on the reef dive? And never ever have to worry about the broken buckle. Yeah. So the the author describes this really well. They say exploring the underground world is an indescribable feeling, leaving a narrow part of a cave decorated with stalactites and stalagmites, which then opens up into a huge chamber, will take your breath away. Like I've said before, and uh, I'll say it again, I never thought I would be enjoying cave diving as much as I do. I took the course to improve my skills. That was it. And I figured, oh, I'd take the course and I'd probably never do it again. But you fall in love with it. Yeah, you fall in love It's beautiful, yeah. It's challenging, it's beautiful, and it's peaceful. Uh, and it does, and it doesn't always mean you're three hours from from the hole. Right, you, know, you it, don't it, have to do it. <laughs> I mean, there, there's plenty of people that that go down and go t- cave diving, much like plenty of people go down and just do a little boat reef dive. You know, right. half like, hour, yeah, half forty hour, minutes, hour, staying like right in the main line, main tunnel, just easy in, easy out, not long extended decompression. I mean, I think a lot of people just assume that. If you're doing a cave dive, it's, you know, these ridiculously elaborate plans. and these Right. I agree. Yeah. The, some of the greatest, greatest, the best times I've had cave diving is bopping in and out. You know, you've got a lot of gas. Go, go in a few hundred feet. Come on out. Go in and explore a different line uh, a few hundred feet in. But you take it, you have fun with it. You relax. 
It's nice. Sounds scary? It might be at first and is good to maintain a healthy respect. However, it is not so scary if you are well-trained and stick to all the rules, right? I mean, cave diving is taking those rules and really learning to apply them right? Yeah, to, to a not a scary thing, right? Because you've, you've done the planning and you've done the, the practice along the way to already train for the emergencies rather than just talking about them once, crossing your fingers and hoping they don't happen and you won't have to worry about it. Right. All those kind of cliches. In this world, yeah, yeah. in this world, you have to train through it. You have to not only train through it. Again, uh, old Jamesy here, a lot of people take their open water course. They learn the correct way to do things. They learn the, what's the biggest, one of the biggest mantras in the open water. Plan your dive and dive your plan. How many people do it, though? You watch on the charter boats. I watch, especially when I'll take a diver who, say, for example, uh, he wants to do a nav specialty. I'll, okay, let's go do a nav specialty. I'm like, you're an open water diver. What kind of plan would we use? Uh, just go in, breathe till we run out of air and come up. And I'm going, well, that's not really a plan. You know, we have breathe to have a gas Breathe till the dive master tells me to come right. up. Right. So the dive your plan or plan your dive and dive your plan thing really has to be in effect in cave diving and you learn to do it on every dive you also learn your safety drills you 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 drill instinctual muscle memory into your diving and it's done at every dive so unlike an open water course right where hey congratulations you're open water certified you've shared gas two to three times through this class four times maybe if you have a good instructor and you've cleared your mask once or twice congratulations in a cave diving class you're going to learn to do that without you're going to learn to do it basically in your sleep right so in the the article they say in order to understand how to react in such situations and to solve any occurring adversity while being in a cave so-called drills are performed these include scenarios like running out of air problems with equipment losing a buddy the line or visibility as well as various combinations of the above and you're going to do them you know the the requirement is to mastery but the I personally believe, like the cave diving instructors, their idea of mastery is different than, say, the open water instructors. And again, this is where I think is a fault of the open water stuff. They should have, mastery should be mastery. End of story. It shouldn't have anything to do with how quick they need to get through the class. You need to remove that kind of thing because mastery is not doing it once. Mastery is able to do it anytime and show that you can do it anytime. Show that you can do it in in the water column and not lose control of your buoyancy. So for training reasons, you might end up out of air, in zero visibility, swimming back to the entrance of the cave. While doing so, your buddy might even get entangled in a line. The course generally includes a lot of swimming in zero visibility. You might need to use the line to find the way out of a cave or losing the line when you cannot see, which, which makes you lose all sense of orientation. And yet you still need to locate that line and follow it back to that entrance. These drills are stressful as well as difficult, and it is crucial to stay calm. Before taking the cave course, it is important to be at least reasonably confident that you will be able to handle such situations. So previous scuba training, cave divers use either double tanks or rebreathers. If you do not have any previous experience with either of these techniques, this should be acquired before even starting with any cave diving. In addition, the buoyancy control has to be very good, as does the propulsion techniques. And key here is get an honest opinion of your buoyancy control. I had so many people believe they're very good at buoyancy control and or propulsion techniques and or all their skills. And then you get them in the class 
and no, they're they're not good. They're not. And well, I know they, I'm being harsh. Yeah, yeah. But the the reason is because they haven't been challenged in a way that they've that, never that, been given an honest review. Because you're not allowed to when you're in well. Your it's 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 because curriculum. they're in open water completely. Let's so see. when you change six, eight, ten feet, you know, over the course of a of a swim, it's not that big of a deal because and. you're out in open water over a reef, right? And if you <laughs> if you've got really good buoyancy and you stay at the exact same depth the entire time, you, and you're not kicking anything up, you think everything's okay. But it's because you you have this perpetual motion, and it's really your forward momentum that's controlling a lot of your buoyancy. And in a cave environment, you're going to have to learn to stay absolutely perfectly still. There's the without, hardest thing without James. moving forward, which is the hardest thing, and that's where real buoyancy is going to be highlighted to to a diver who's never been critically examined. Well, they haven't been critically examined because they're not being told the truth. I mean. If all you can give is a positive feedback, that's not the truth. That's not reality of life, period. If all you you can do is say, good job, because that's what you're taught as in instructor school, positive feedback. Yeah, they do say be critical. They're not looking for that. Well, I, when you, I would go so far as to say that a lot of the instructors out there are completely from the recreational world, and they, they just don't, they have no uh, they idea. don't understand it themselves. And they don't know they what they don't know. Yeah. They understand what buoyancy is, and they understand that, you know, if you're properly, neutrally buoyant, you should be able to, you know, sit in the Buddha yoga position and, and hover, you know, uh, relatively motionless while you're holding onto the tips of your fins in a seated position. But that has nothing to do with the reality of, of being able to control your buoyancy and being a body position that's conducive for diving well conducive for diving in a cave especially you can a cave especially but i think you once can. you realize that in a cave you're right. going to bring it to the open water well, again of course and, you and you're going to go why was wow, i why sitting w- in a buddha position from the first f-ing day what the hell is this all about why do they teach the instructors that i remember my instructor i.e my instructor exam for a major agency and they required us to all of us you had all five of us lined up there in the pool and there we are in the Buddha position, floating around, hovering. Do, 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 yep. do, do. That's buoyancy. There's a okay, now swim over to this other end of the pool. Arms flailing, fins kicking, <laughs> everybody <laughs> popping to the surface yeah. because as you, as you start, yeah. you move back your, your feet down below you out of that seated position while right. you start wiggling your feet and you start swimming up to the surface and then you got to dump air out of your BCD, come back down. By the time you get to the other end of the pool, mm-hmm. everybody's crashing negatively buoyant back onto the bottom to go through masklers. There's so much at the root of what you just painted of that picture. There's so much at the root of that that is basic, proper weighting, proper propulsion technique, the ability to just stand still in the water in a horizontal position. Right. Well, And then, so most divers, right, when they learn to dive in a class, they're never really even taught no. propulsion techniques. All they're taught to do is wiggle their feet mm-hmm. till they get to the other side of the pool. And if that's difficult, well, you can spend an extra 50 bucks and get a higher-end fin uh, right. that's going to allow you to wiggle your feet easier, mm-hmm. and that'll make your swimming easier. Whereas when you go to this type of a training, you're going to learn a whole menu of propulsion techniques they're going to allow you to learn to really move in a clean, efficient manner where you're exerting only the energy that you need to move you where you want to go, forward, backward, turning, pivoting, changing position, 
all with the control of your fins. Right, no hands are being used uh, is a big one. Yeah, again, James, the, the, the issue lies in the basic construction. Now, the argument that you get back when you're, when you're pointing all this out is, I'm never going cave diving, so I will never require to be that good at buoyancy control. I will never need that many propulsion techniques. I'm just jumping down on the reef. I'm, I don't need what you're selling. Well, I, I disagree get, with you because, I mean, you. there's... Well, there's students lined up to take a peak buoyancy Buddha specialty class every week in every dive shop in, in the in the islands, right? Thinking that that's what they're getting. Why didn't you get peak peak buoyancy in open water 101? Do you need a different level of buoyancy? You need buoyancy. I shouldn't say buoyancy is the wrong word, too. Do you need a different level of buoyancy control? Control is the word, yeah, yeah. Buoyancy control is needed from day one. And it's, it's what golden it, it rule, is what, man. It seems to be like every diver that I talk to, they're always striving to be better at. I mean, the the, the yeah. ones that are really diving out there, and they they know they need it, and you know they, they want it for better pictures. They they understand it, and they and they go they take a class in it, and they're sold this ridiculous body position. And then and then, well, yeah, I, I can sit there in my Zen state. Mm-hmm. You know, focusing 100% on my breathing and saying, oh, <laughs> and holding my fin tips. Okay, now it's time to go diving again. And it all goes right out the <laughs> right out yeah. the window or right to the surface. Right, right. So. so the author says in here that it is best to have all the necessary equipment before starting in order to get used to your own gear right from the start. If you're not sure whether you will love cave diving... Renting is an option to consider before purchase, as the kit is not cheap. It's not entirely true, right? Our recreational rig is the same price, if not maybe even a little cheaper at points. A, the idea of renting cave gear. That idea, in my mind, as a cave diver, for me to pull up somewhere and I've never cave dived before, I'm an open water rig diver, and I'm going to go take a cave class, so I'm going to rent the gear. Yes, it's available, like if you're flying somewhere and you don't want all the weight, but if you haven't used that gear before, you're going to go from your jacket style into cave gear. You're not going to have a good class. Oh, my god! Because you're going to spend the whole time learning the equipment. New you're equipment not going to spend any time learning cave diving. Exactly. And the other side of it is, so they said it's more expensive. I just have to say our recreational rig that we use is the same price and maybe even a little cheaper than poodle jacket bcd with uh you know your recreational reg yeah with, uh, so i mean uh, uh, all over the, the, place. the typical industry bcd runs god from forbid, five to five to eight hundred dollars god forbid well, you mean, put the air mcdoodle Air McDoodles have no place in cave diving. Nope. Well, we've, None. We said that. But a, a recreational BCD <laughs> runs anywhere I just want, from... I just want to say it again. <laughs> well, that recreational BCD runs, you know, most of them are in that five to $800 range. Some of them as much as $1,400 for a ridiculous BCD. I mean, uh, but your typical backplate, wing, harness is something that you're going to use in a cave environment is in that same five to $800, depending right. on the, the, the brand and the model that you're getting. So it's not more expensive. It's more expensive in so much as you're going to need two regulators if versus, we're K-Dabby, versus yes, just one, right? Way. So you need a second first stage. Well, you need a double wing and you'll need another tank in a manifold, but that's that's for a cave yeah, diving. You're just buying, you're just buying the, the gear. It's not that it's more expensive than a recreational rig because some of the recreational rig, right? You can spend two thousand dollars on 
a regulator. You can spend $2,000 on a dive computer. You can easily, you know, buy a, a full cave rig, <laughs> complete cave rig for $2,000 if you wanted yes. to. Yeah, the uh, the level of how much you want to spend, that's out there, right? That, for recreational rig, if you want to spend $5,000 on stupidity. Now, when they mention the price of cave diving, the author goes on to say that the courses vary in price depending on where and with which agency enroll. The course is generally divided into three parts, cavern, intro to cave, and full cave. It is recommended to take the first cavern and intro to cave, which is usually five to 10 days, and then do some level of cave diving at this level. After getting some experience in different caves, then take the full cave course later. But yeah, definitely that's the more recommended route. But what I like about cave diving that you don't see in the open water curriculum is this requirement of experience between you know receiving your initial training and moving on to your higher levels. Whereas in open water 101, what do we got? You come in open water. Hey, congratulations. You're now an open water diver. Guess what we have tomorrow? We have our special <laughs> on the advanced open water class. And you're in your mind, you're like, I remember taking, well, learning how the curriculum went. I didn't take my classes like that because I'm not that stupid. I'm stupid. I'm just not that stupid. No. So you can go take this advanced open water. You're like, wait a minute. I've, I've not done any diving outside of being with my instructor. That doesn't matter. Do you have any money? Because we're going to give you this cool card, and you can get a patch. It comes with a free patch and maybe a wall certificate, too. And we're going to, <laughs> we're going to send, drop you in the water. A lot of the dives, the instructor doesn't even have to be in the water. <laughs> so you come out of your advanced class. You're down in Cayman for two weeks, living the life. You're like, wow, I, I'm an advanced open water diver. Hold the phone. You can get specialties now. You do understand that you can get more patches for your jacket a cool hat, more wall hangings, and you'll be the envy of all the non-diving friends that you have. So you can theoretically come out of your two-week vacation as a master. You earn the word master scuba diver. You have no dives without an instructor in that one environment. And you're a master. You are a master. Okay, what else? What, uh, don't get me going. Whereas, <laughs> whereas what, what? You're not even apprentice after you go and get 25, 30 dives in a cave. Yeah, that, that's, you know, so that, that's where this training is going to, you know, your typical cave training is going to say, this is how you cave dive. Now, go get some experience cave diving. You know, when you've got 20, 30 dives, come back and see me, and then we're going to move forward. Exactly. How it should be. And, you know, different agencies approach the cave diving nomenclature with different names for example there's cave level one cave level two cave diver one cave diver two and then there's intro and there's you know cavern intro there's apprentice cave diver um and then of course full full cave diver etc the guidelines that they use are a much more realistic b require experience and they you know the proof of training etc the training's real but you're also going to get a realistic critique of where you are and what your skill level is. And an expectation of experience building, not just class taking. Oh, yeah. And that's huge. That's huge. We need more of that in the open water curriculum. Yeah. Not dropping into an advanced course. If you're going so, to have a course, uh, hold on, and then I'll let you go. Uh, if you're going to have a course like the advanced course, right? At, and I'm not against that course because I think the course is definitely useful and, and should be a mandatory part of the open water curriculum moving up into whatever, if you do want that master scuba rating. But calling it advanced is a completely wrong nomenclature, and it's only called that so that it sells. 
That is the purpose of, of that name for that class. Should be, hey, we can go out and get you some more experience with some instruction on how to navigate, how to do a night dive, how to do get into deeper water safely. Not just because of the financial outlay, but also for training reasons, you should be reasonably sure you will continue to dive in caves after your training. Without regular exposure, some of your learning might fade, which makes the cave diving more dangerous, and you don't want to risk that. Yeah, I agree 100%. You, you got to keep going back to the caves. And if you do have a little break in the action, go back in slowly or go back and get a refresher. Yeah, I used to do uh, a triple stage push into a high flow cave because I was cave diving, you know, several times a month. You know, from, right. As a Michigander, right. cave diving several times a month is pretty good. But anyway, and then I take a nine months to a year off. I'm definitely not going to go jump in and do a triple stage cave. Yeah, you get back to doing those basic little dives. Right. Again. Do a rule of six. Yeah. You go in a little bit, use 500, come on out. Go in. That in- entry and exit are the more difficult That's where all the work of, is. Right. It's the work. And then yeah. as you gain. Swimming, swimming down the, the tunnel, <laughs> that's easy. That's the easy part of cave yeah. diving. That's the fun part. Well, I, I actually think. That entry and exit is the fun part. It's yeah, challenging. Too. It's cool. It's, uh, yeah. And often it's some of the prettiest water. It's the prettiest water, and that's where you're really lear- learning to master technique. You know, going into a place like Devils, which is usually a higher flow cave, and you go into the gallery there, and you if the if it's the flow is kicking, and you go up through the gallery and in through the lips. If you don't have technique and a little bit of you know, you haven't learned where to position yourself in the rock. Well, it, that devil's going to spit you right back out. Yeah, you're going to be breathing. You're not going to be having that much fun. And I've had people come, you know, cave diving that were cave divers in other countries that didn't have flow. And to jump into devils, kick their aces, kick their base. But they learned where technique really pays off. And that comes with experience. And you need to keep getting that experience. So the author finishes up this uh, little article saying, however, even if you happen not to continue to dive in caves, the courses provide a great training that will make you a better diver also at the recreational level. I would not want to miss this experience. I learned a lot and improved my propulsion techniques, my trim, and my ability to handle difficult situations so this this wasn't a bad little uh, find on the internet posted by joni g-o-n-i joni loves chachi joni loves chachi joni loves cave diving apparently joni loves cave diving so this was uh this was a nice little uh way to uh, for us to bring together that cave diving world and what i think what a lot of our listeners are is is that recreational world to realize that cave diving isn't necessarily this you know national geographic you know where you're crawling you know Using taking your tank off to bang through the rock, right? To to wiggle out a hole enough for I mean that is some ultra high ballistic level. That's cave ultra diving. ballistic cave diving, and it's out there, and that's that's something to endeavor for if that's what you want to do. Those are they're lofty goals, but they're not unachievable goals, especially if you get the solid base from day one. And I mean, isn't that our our mission here? Talking, doing this podcast is we're trying to get people to realize there is underwater is incredible we love scuba diving but there's a uh, there's a better way there's a better way to do it it's easier on your pocketbook you'll have more fun and it relates to this cave diving because cave divers know this and it, i don't know why it's got to be this best kept secret in the scuba world that learning proper buoyancy and a good propulsion technique right from day one is awesome and makes diving more enjoy- enjoyable. For some reason, we say, well, learn to breathe, don't die, and thanks thanks for the money. 
And then if you want to go to cave diving, they're the ugly stepchild. And we're trying to tell you, they're not the ugly stepchild. They're the, what's a good word? They're the beautiful stepchild. No. <laughs> <laughs> they're, the, they're the the hot stepmom. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like it. That's a keeper. <laughs> uh, well, the, the issue is that there's, there's two schools in, in, in diving, right? There's the equipment school and the technique school. Right. Right. So I have a problem underwater. Well, I can engineer and I can create a contraption to fix it, or I can train it out of me. You know, what What do you prefer? And there's plenty of people out there that-, that Throw want money the, at it. Yeah, they want to throw money at it and they want the cool, you know, contraption to rely on. And then there's people like us who want the technique and the knowledge and ability ourselves. And I, think I want you're, both. I think you're always going to have I want that. both, Jamesy. I have a, I have a, you know, I have an equipment fetish thing. I have a thing for the gear. I always have. Of course, toned it down. Yeah, I've become I, wise I, I, I in like, my old age. I like cool contraption. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a I'm as big of a scuba equipment nerd as anybody but else. I, I've got the I've got the receipts to prove how bad of it. I can remember, you know, and that's why you know the boss liked me. I walk in. Oh, hey, I got this uh, electronic gizmo that just came out. Here's my credit card. <laughs> that would be it. And right. I would try it out. Three days later, I'm like, oh, well, he got me again. He got me again. But shame on me. That's never going to happen again. Happen. Well, <laughs> what is this flashy thing over here? Exactly. Ooh, sparkly right. things. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's... it's right. It's, it's and for you, that attraction. was the way that you had to learn to, to get to where you got to today. Right. I learned the hard way. I, a lot of things. And as did you to a certain extent. Uh, I learned the hard way monetarily and work-wise in, in the sense I've, I bought a lot of classes. I've been through the multiple agencies, so I like to think I can speak through experiences. I've had Air McDoodles. I've had to use them teaching, and I've had to help people in critical situations. And that's what made me go, these things are ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Got 10 million snorkels, and I don't dive with one, ever. How do you you keep getting them? Because they fall (laughs) off people's masks, guy. There they are. I find them. I pick them up. Anyway, the long story short is I have all that crap. So if I speak about something, it's from from my mistakes. And I do try to, you know, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just trying to save people some trouble. Yeah, well, very good. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this this little uh, introduction as to what it takes to to get into uh, cave diving. What a little beginner's guide to cave diving. And how cave diving techniques and equipment can benefit you, the open water diver. In just basic beginner open water dives. Exactly. In open water 101, the techniques and philosophy and equipment used, if you get them from day one, awesome. I mean, you have that foundation. You have that solid foundation. So this is the the thing that... uh, Right. So many people want to get certified to dive, right? Their goal is, oh, yeah. I need to get a certification card because it's that's what it's sold as rather than it's not sold as learn to become part of a, of the underwater world, right? Learn to learn the three-dimensional world. That's, that's a, nobody's out Googling looking for that. Yeah, but they're looking reality, for the quickest class. Yeah, but in cheapest. reality, that's what you want. Or you want to Google, how do I become part of, how does a human being become part of the three-dimensional world underwater? That, that's what you want to that's what you want to google right and at the end of that class you get an open water certification card if you've done that you're on the path to really a, a solid lifetime of of 
peace and happiness underwater. Yeah, your enjoyment of the underwater world will skyrocket. It will increase exponentially. You're not working. You're not fearing for your life. You're not high-fiving because you live. That should never be happening on a scuba dive. Ever. We lived. <laughs> That's not the goal. The goal is the enjoyment. Excellent. Well, hey, stay tuned for next week. We got a doozy for you next week. We're going we're gonna to go through a, a really great story. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to close off our cave diving month. We hope you guys are really going to dig it and enjoy the heck out of this one. So we're looking forward to it. And in the meantime, I need uh, can I have your cave uh, cave logbook so I can uh, sign Here you go, James. He signed this baby. Excellent. All right, here's, here's mine. All right, beautiful. Well, next week. See you guys then. Safe diving until then, my friend. Safe diving. this book yeah that's a okay, great cool book, yeah. so i was thinking next week if for the last week of national cave or, diving month. of national cave diving month there's like that great is the story of uh cousteau talier yeah. and dumas okay. that dive in uh fountain of mm-hmm. uh vaucluse mm-hmm. we're all it's a total shit storm it's a total shit storm go through that okay i think that'd be a fun one shit storms are always fun talking of people talking dig about it shit storms